Hey guys, thanks for joining in on another episode of Cast the Word. Today we're talking about God's faithfulness. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Cast the Word today. And our episode today is going to be focused on God's faithfulness. And before we get started, I just wanted to apologize for the gap since our last episode. I kind of decided to take an impromptu break to focus on other priorities I've had going on in my life lately, but I'm going to try to get back to recording regularly and just sharing with you all what God has been placing on my heart. And I've noticed since we've taken a break, I've uh, picked up a lot more followers on the Cast the Word uh, podcast, and I just wanted to thank you all for being listening in and tuning in to to listen to these episodes, these short episodes that I put out um, to just share with the world what what God has put on our heart. So uh, really thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for checking us out. I really appreciate that. And I pray that it has blessed you or encouraged you in some capacity as you walk this life with Christ. So we're we're talking today about the faithfulness of God, and our scripture today comes from Isaiah 43. And in verse 1 of Isaiah 43, we, we read, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And in the passage we just read here, we hear of God's protection through the trials and through the challenges that we face throughout our life. And here they're represented by the words of rivers and fires and and uh, flames and and all of that stuff. And that here represents the tri- the trials that that we go through in our life. And just like we read. Here in this scripture, we see God's protection and we see his faithfulness. And we see that throughout scripture. Um, there are many stories to pull from. And we see that God is faithful despite the storms and despite the lack of faithfulness that sometimes we may display back to our Creator. In Genesis, we read about a man named Joseph and how his brothers betrayed him and left him for dead. Yet in Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph says, You intended me harm, but God had a bigger plan. God displayed his faithfulness, even though in the middle of his storm it looked like all hope was lost. In Exodus, we're introduced to Moses, a man that was flawed and erred in many ways. And Moses said in Exodus 4.13, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. An author said once that despite that Moses was as flawed as they come, arrogant, stubborn, and doubtful, God faithfully walked with him. And as time passed, Moses learned how to faithfully obey. God used this blemished shepherd to lead his wayward sheep out of captivity. God chose to listen to and walk with a man who, in his youth, killed another with his bare hands. And we see God's faithfulness and his grace when he declared through Exodus that he's going to bring the people out of captivity. He's going to deliver them from their bondage. He's going to redeem them with an outstretched arm, and he's going to take them for his people. 
In another example, we read in the book of Judges about the people of Israel, and we've had episodes about this uh, story in the past, about a cyclical cycle of defeat, the cycle of sin, bondage, salvation, and then a slide back into sin, kind of that circular pattern there that we read through Judges, sin, bondage, salvation. And we, if we reflect honestly in our own lives, maybe we can see that sometimes in our own life too. We also meet Samson, the mighty man who abused the anointing. Samson and Nazarite was required to hold fast to the Nazarite vow. The law of Moses described a threefold vow that a Nazarite would make and keep throughout his life. In number six, it instructs the Nazarite to not drink wine or strong drink, to not touch a dead carcass, and to never cut their hair. Yet in different points of his life, Samson failed in all of these Nazarite vows. Yet Samson received a supernatural anointing of strength, and every time he was to set out in battle, the Lord assisted him despite the fact that Moses broke his vow many times. David lusted, stole, fornicated, lied, and killed, yet God saw his heart and loved him. Paul murdered and chased down the early Christian church, yet on the road to Damascus, his entire life changed, and he went on to write the majority of the New Testament. Time and time again, we read about how God is faithful, and what we find is that when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. He still has a bigger plan for us. He still helped Joseph, even though he was going through his own storm. He still helped Moses, even though he had erred in his ways as well. He still helped Samson, even though he broke the vow, the Nazarite vow. And he described that David was a man after God's own heart, despite the fact that David had erred in his way as well. When we screw up, he's still faithful. And not only that, but when we face the waves this life offers, like Isaiah 43 declares, He's with us, and that's what the Scripture says. The Scripture we read in the beginning says, When you pass through the waters and through the fire, He will be with us. We shall not be overflown or burned. Why is that? Because God protects that which belongs to Him. Notice Isaiah 43 doesn't say, If you pass through the waters. It says, when you pass through the waters. And I love the phrasing there because it describes the fact that we're never promised that this life is going to be easy. We're never promised that we won't face some waves or some rivers or fires throughout this life. In fact, we're told we will face tribulation. John 16:33 says, "In this world you will have tribulation." Simply being followers of Christ brings forth persecution, doesn't it? But you know, the, the good thing about Christ and the good thing about the Scripture is, is that it says you will face tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And if we have Him living on the inside of us, we're going to overcome as well, not by our own strength or our own power or supernatural abilities. It's by the one who's living in us. It's by God. And the promise of God's faithfulness is still on display in spite of what we're going to face in this life. So today I want to help to encourage you that what Isaiah 43 says is to fear not. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, says the Lord. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. So God's faithful. That means when we mess up, He's still faithful. When we miss the mark, He's still faithful. His faithfulness is not contingent upon our faithfulness, and thank God for that. He's faithful no matter what. And that's never going to change. In the midst of the chaos out there, the only way for us to maintain an attitude of victory and praise is to constantly reflect back on God's faithfulness. 
Numbers 23:19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. 2 Timothy 2:13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. In the Passion Translation, Psalms 91 verse 4 says, His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under His covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. Isn't that encouraging? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, suffice it to say that God's faithful today. When we're unfaithful, He remains faithful. When we slip and fall, He's there to pick us back up. When we waver in doubt, He reminds us of who we are in Christ, and He reminds us by the Spirit of what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. If He said it in His Word, He'll perform it. God never fails. He never breaks a promise. In fact, Jesus was faithful from the beginning as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So my faith today isn't in the world. My faith today isn't in the government. My faith today isn't in the president or leaders of of our nations that we live in. In fact, there's nothing in this world more faithful than Christ's faithfulness. My trust is in the only one who has never let me down. My trust is in the one who stepped out of eternity into time and took on the cross, despising its shame, and and died a death that I should have died. But he did that because he loves us. And he did that knowing that we're going to fail from time to time. We're going to miss the mark. We're going to mess up before Christ, before we become saved in Christ. Think back about all the mistakes we made prior to our salvation, yet he's still faithful. And that's so encouraging to me, and I hope it is to you as well, that despite the waves and the flames that try to put me out, I believe that you and I will both stand strong, not because of our might, not because of our greatness, but only because he's the one that called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, only because he's the one that's faithful. So I want to take a few moments here, if I can, and just make a few points that really outline God's faithfulness. And the first point is that we can trust in God's faithfulness because He never changes. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. In the natural, we go through different seasons in our life. Um, In the environment, we go through four seasons in just one year, winter, spring, summer, and fall. And just like in the natural, we go through seasons in the spiritual realm as well. We have seasons where we feel like we're on the mountaintop, and we have seasons where we feel like we're in the valley. We have seasons where we feel really close to God, don't we? And then we have seasons where it seems God is silent. We have seasons where we can enter into His presence real easily, And then we have seasons where we just have to fight and fight and push back against the enemy just to maybe have a moment of prayer or have a moment of worship with God. But one constant in the many variables in our life is that God never changes. Jesus returned to heaven after the resurrection and sat down at the right hand of the Father. And ever since that moment, He has constantly interceded on our behalf. What a God. On the Isle of Patmos, John got a revelation. And in Revelation 4-2, John said, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. And he has yet to get up. That tells me that as leaders change throughout our nations, as kings and queens pass on, as presidents and, and members of parliament and the prime ministers of our nations move on, and we get new leaders and new leadership and new administrations, God remains the same. He has 
constantly remained on the throne, and he has remained seated in his, which means nobody has contested him. Nobody will contest him. Lucifer tried to contest him, and look how that turned out for him. As wars have began and ended throughout our ages, he remains unchanged and unaffected. As nations rise and fall, as the generations go on, he's still seated, calm, cool, and collected. Psalms 2 says, Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. That means that the coronavirus did not take the Lord by surprise. That means World War II and all the civil wars that this world has faced across the centuries of time past. He is not changed by what goes on down here. Psalms 121 says, I will lift up my eyes up to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keeps thee will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's not asleep today. He hasn't wandered off the throne. He hasn't become confused. He hasn't retired or slept or become anxious about what's going on down here. He hasn't been surprised either. Nothing has moved him. And in fact, he remains seated interceding for you and I. He isn't seeking counsel from his lawyers asking what he should do next. He isn't seeking medicinal therapy because he's just too stressed from ruling this earth. It's just too much to bear for him. No, that's not what's going on right now. Nothing takes our Lord by surprise because he does not change. He hasn't lost credibility with the with heaven's armies either. And there isn't a mutiny going on right now. None of that's happening. In fact, at this very moment, the seraphim are circling his throne as they've done since eternity past, declaring his holiness. And one day we're going to enter into heaven's cry, declaring his holiness as well. Amen. He loves us when we're unlovable. He forgives us when we're unforgivable. He picked up, picked us up out of the miry clay and set our feet upon a rock, and that's my God, and he is yet to change. So I hope that that encourage you, encourages you this morning that, you know, God doesn't change. In fact, the enemy tries to remind us all the time that we're doomed, that God doesn't love us, that there's no hope for us because of our past. The enemy tries to tell us that we're not really forgiven of our sins. How could we be forgiven for the things that we've done in the past? He wants to tell us that God's forgotten about us because that prayer that you keep on praying is going unanswered. But it's time for us to remind the enemy that we serve a God named Jehovah Sherub. Jehovah Sherub means that he's the Lord, our sword. And it's time for us to take out that sword of the Spirit and remind the enemy of what's written in John 8:44 that ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's the that's the enemy right now. He is The devil is a liar this morning, and that's not going to change. Just like God remains unchanged and unaffected and and you know, doesn't become anxious about what's going on down here, the enemy will continue to lie because when he speaks, it is a lie. So when the enemy's whispering to you that you're not loved, that you're not forgiven, when you when you confess your sins to the Lord, when he's telling you that God's forgotten about you, when he's whispering these seeds of doubt in your mind because that prayer you keep 
praying is going unanswered, you remind him that he is a liar and that our Lord never changes. The second point I want to make is that we can trust in God's faithfulness because of his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 doesn't say that some scripture is inspired by God or it doesn't say that a few scriptures are inspired by God. It says all scripture is inspired by God and it's made for to and it's made to help us, to teach us, correct us and train us in righteousness. And I don't know about you, but I want to believe in all scripture. I want to believe in what the word has to say about me and about my life. Isaiah says that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will not return unto him void. Psalms 119 says, The sum of thy word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This morning, people change. People break promises. But God doesn't. God's not a man that he should lie. Remember that scripture we read in Numbers? Everything he said will come to pass. And even and if he said it, then it's truth. He couldn't tell a lie if he wanted to because he is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 1.1 said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Even the creation declares His faithfulness and cries out of a Creator. We read this in Romans 1. We read this in Psalms 19. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. The heavens even speak of a Creator. And that's why right now I can trust in his faithfulness because Jesus doesn't change. God doesn't change. And his word is truth. If we read it in the word, we know that it's true. And because his word is truth, we can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Because his word is truth, we can stand boldly, not because of our own doing, not because of our righteousness, but we can believe in what his word says because we know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And John 1, 1 said, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So because of that, we can believe in the scripture. We can believe that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. We can believe greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can believe if God is for me, who can be against me? We can now live a life outside of fear because of his promise to fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. We read that in Isaiah 41. We can live a life and and declare that he's going to keep us in perfect peace. Why? Because we trust in him. And we can believe in Scripture like in Jeremiah, For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. We can believe that Scripture in Philippians that says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and supplication, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We can believe His Word because He is the Word, and He is truth. Amen? And the last point is, because of his faithfulness, I'm going to praise him at all times. I'm not just going to praise him when I get what I want. I'm not just going to praise him when everything's going my way. I'm not just going to praise him when that prayer gets answered. Yet, I will praise him for all of those things. But what my point here is, is that we should not praise him contingent upon what's going on in our life right now. Whether we're on top of the mountain when everything's going our way or whether we're in the bottom of the valley when everything seems to be going against us, we should praise Him. Why? Because despite our life, 
he's still faithful. He never promised that this life's going to be easy, but he did promise that he will be with us throughout it. He's faithful this morning. Psalm 63 says, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings, I will rejoice. Psalms 34 says, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And Lamentations 3 says and declares that great is thy faithfulness. So we should praise Him when we get up in the morning. We should praise Him when we're headed to work. We should praise Him when we're leaving work. He should be the first thing we think about in the morning and the last thing we think about when we go to sleep. He deserves the praise. He deserves our praise because He's really been too good to us, right? He died on the cross for our sins. He walked 33 and a half years on this earth, yet without sin. That alone is a miracle. I can't, you know, get back beyond last week without thinking about how I might have messed up or missed the mark occasionally here and there. Amen? He walked this life and walked it without sin, and his reward for such an accomplishment was the cross. He took on the cross, and he did it willingly, really. He could have passed by the cross and not taken on that responsibility, but he did it because he knew that there needed to be a propitiation for our sins, and he deserves our praise for that. If he does nothing else from now until the day we breathe our last breath, he deserves our praise because he was faithful on the cross. That's our Lord, and we we need to live a life in praise and thanksgiving and worship to God because He never changes, because of what His Word says, and because of His faithfulness, we decide for our lives that we're going to praise Him. Amen? So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode today. Again, I apologize. It's been a little while. I think the beginning of March was the last time we um, posted an episode, and now here it is, May 1st, but... Um, thank you guys for your patience as we kind of took a little bit of a break there. I'm hoping, like I said, to get back into the swing of things and continue publishing episodes for you guys because I do enjoy um, doing this for for you all and for myself really because it encourages me just putting these episodes together and uh, soaking in the Word and seeing what the Word has to say about the situations in our life. So I pray that this bless you and encourage you. And as always, stay strong in the faith, and I look forward to talking to you next time.